We're going to continue in our, our mindset series about the story that you tell yourself. You know, you, you, you constantly have conversations with yourself all the time. And I want to tell you the motive behind this series, and I want you to hear me really clearly, okay? The motive behind this series is not, it is not positive thinking. Just in case you're wondering, it's not about just thinking positive. It's not about being more positive. Positive is great, right? Tom Kite, that famous golfer one time said, he said, positive thoughts do not, do not guarantee positive results, but negative thoughts always guarantee negative results, right? This, but this isn't just about positive thinking. If you think that this mindset series is about positive thinking, boy, are you wrong. That is not the, the case. Let me tell you what's going on right now. We, 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 are, we are in a, uh, if you don't realize what's going on in the cultural landscape, we are in a whole different time. There's never been a time that a, a tough Christian mindset is more needed in the church of God than right now, right? Look around our culture. One of the things, I was talking with a lady yesterday, and we were talking about uh, mental toughness in our kids. And, and, and I said, you know, one of the things I've noticed, even as a dad who, who has coached baseball and football in this town for, for 10 years, one of the things I've noticed, even among just American society, is that as a general whole, this doesn't apply to everybody, but as a general whole, people just lack grit, anymore. My goodness, when, 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 when my granddaddy's generation was on the planet, the men went to war and the women made bullets. That's the truth. That's the actual, the, the people went on food rations. Can you imagine food rations in Williamson County? Can you, yeah, we already tried that in March. Everybody went and got toilet paper, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the reality is we've just, we, we, we've lost, I think, grit. There's a shrinking. Listen, I'm talking, I'm, I'm telling you something right now. I'm going to have to, there's a lot I want to say. Let, let me tell you what, I've been talking with a lot of pastors in the last, especially in the last 10 days. You know, like you, you have your own professional network. I have mine. I've been talking with pastors in different parts of the country, different denominations, different church sizes. And one of the things we're all seeing and we're all agreeing is that we're watching the church shrink. We're watching the church shrink. And it is. It is shrinking. You know, I think if you read the New Testament, Jesus... He, he was honest. He's always honest. But Jesus said, notice, we just went through a Revelation series. Go back and read the seven churches. And at the end of almost every one of those seven churches, you will hear Jesus say to that church, to them that overcome, I will grant the crown of life or I will grant whatever. Jesus said, to, that means to them that overcome. That means there will be those that don't overcome. Paul talks about in the last days, there will be a falling away. Did you hear that? Paul talks in the last days there'll be a falling away. He's not talking about culture. He's talking about right here, right here in this body. We've got to have a tough mindset that we can endure, that we can endure. I believe you're, you're going to see the church in the next several years between now and, listen, when, when, 
when oppression really starts to hit, you're going to find out the difference, as Jesus said, between the sheep and the goats. You're going to find out those that are the true believers and those that are not. Right now, you're starting to see more and more pressure come on the Christian church. It is time for us to have a a tough, positive mindset. Right now, in the state of California, I want you guys, our staff prayed this week. Our staff has been praying for John MacArthur. I don't know if you're keeping up with what is going on with with Pastor John MacArthur. He's the president also of of the Master's Seminary. He's a, a, a globally known pastor, but he has squared off with the California government. And he has said, if I choose not to come to church, it will be my choice, not yours, with the government. And it doesn't matter what the reason is. And so they have put him on notice that they are considering arresting him. And I believe that that actually is probably going to happen because he will not back down. He won't. It will be on on the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, friends, we are seeing a day where a tough mental mindset is monumental. So today we're going to talk about the mindset that honors God. The mindset that honors God. Do you know that your mindset can honor God? It absolutely can. And you also can have a mindset that doesn't honor God. Now, no, 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 don't hear me say sin. I didn't say, I didn't say that, it, that you can, you know, your mindset can go into sin. It, it, it certainly can be, be a sinful mindset. But there was a, a line in a song that we just sang a minute ago, uh, that last song there. And, and I, I, it's a new song, and I, so I, I was eager to hear it. But there's a line in that song that that, that said something to the equivalent of, I will not rob you of your glory. I will not deny you your glory. Our mindset is there to give glory to God. And you can have a mindset that gives glory to God. Today we're going to talk about that. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians. It's in the New Testament. It's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And uh, you'll find it kind of halfway through uh, your, your New Testament On my Bible, it's page 990. I don't know about yours. Now, Paul's writing to a church that's called Corinth, just like a church called Clearview. And these are just three verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. Here we go. Paul says that for though we walk in the flesh, that means and that is the earthly body, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of strongholds. Your Bible might say fortresses or strongholds. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, that's one of the more famous verses in all the New Testament, that taking your thoughts captive. Many of you that have been around the Christian church a while, you've heard that probably many times. And we're going to unpack that a little bit about today, about what kind of mindset honors God and how do we have. It's not just enough to say, hey, you know what? We need a tough mental mindset that brings glory to the Lord Jesus. We need a tough mindset like that. But actually the question is, how do we get it? How do you do it? If we know we need it, but how do we actually do it? How do we put it into practice? And that's what I'm going to focus on today. We are called in that last verse 
to take thoughts captive. And we're told in verse 4 that we, are, that we have divine tools, divine power, specifically to tear down strongholds. Now, I want to say something to you, Christian, before we get going in this for a morning, okay? And, and I wrote it down this way so I wouldn't forget it. God would never warn you about strongholds if they weren't effective at dismantling his people. Did you hear me? God would never warn you about strongholds if they weren't effective in dismantling his people. Now, some of you out there, you may think, you know, oh, uh, listen, I, 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 don't, I, I know what that's about, and I, I, I'm going to be just fine. I'm tough. Let me tell you something, friend. If you think that you can stand up against the devil in your own strength, then you're stronger than David. You're stronger than David was. We're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning. God gave you a warning in Scripture about if the more you read the New Testament, I would challenge you to look at the New Testament and start looking at how often different writers and Jesus, A, talk about principalities and demons. It's everywhere. And B, how often we are told to take our minds somewhere. Because the battle is for the mind. God would not warn you if, if, if he didn't know that strongholds were very able to dismantle Christians because the battle's in the mind. Strongholds holds come in many forms. I want to put you on to something. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. But uh, last year, I preached the entire series, like eight weeks long, called Unshackled. If you'll go to clearview.org and go to the sermons, you can pull down by series a series called Unshackled. And in that series, I did an entire sermon on strongholds. If you struggle mentally with anxiety or fear or panic or you struggle with worry or you struggle sometimes with lust or you struggle with greed or you struggle with thoughts of self-doubt, no matter, strongholds come in many forms. I would, I would really urge you to go and listen to that because I deal with strongholds exclusively. They come in many forms. Last week, Graham up here, I, I watched online. Graham, let me tell you something. He I, I, I sent him a text after last week's sermon, and I, and I told him, I said, I, no kidding. I honestly don't think I've ever heard a better sermon on anxiety than what Graham preached last Sunday, spoken from a, a, a devout heart of somebody who's wrestled with it. Listen, if you missed last week you, and you struggle with anxiety or fear, you have got to go back and listen to that. Man, it did a lot for me personally. God would not warn you if it wasn't true. Some strongholds can come in the form of pride. Some of you struggle with being proud. Strongholds come in the form of lust. Strongholds come in the form of self-worth. Many of you struggle with seeing yourself as God sees you. Strongholds come in the form of anger. Many people, many of you have been hurt and you're mad. Something happened to you and you're angry and you're angry on the inside, you can't forgive, you have a tough time trusting people. Listen, do you think that's of the Lord? No, that is not. That is a stronghold. A stronghold is enemy-occupied territory meant to set, up, set itself up against Christ. So how do we have a mindset that can spot it and then be able to honor God with the way we think? It's not just pure thoughts, it's godly thinking. Godly thinking. So what is the kind of mindset that honors God? Well, I would say to you, the mindset that honors God respects the reality of warfare. 
And I want you to listen to that. I want to say that again. The, the mindset that honors God respects the reality of warfare. I, I want you to look in verse 3 at what Paul said. He said, for though we walk in the flesh, that is, we, we live in the real world with, you know, if you cut us, we will bleed. And we're a normal human being. Yes, true. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war. We do not war according to the flesh. The mindset that honors God respects the reality of warfare. Say, so what, what do you mean by that, Jason? Let me tell you something. I think there are few things more destructive than a Christian who is cavalier about the fact that we have an enemy. I hear a lot of Christians making jokes about the devil. There's nothing funny about the devil. I see what he does to people daily, weekly. I see what the enemy does, but I'll tell you what I see in a lot of Christians, and I hope you're listening to me, every single one of you. I really believe with all my heart, after being in ministry, going on three decades now, that the average Christian is casually concerned about the power of the enemy. And that in and of itself, friend, is your problem. That's your problem. That enemy is real. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, look at this verse. Be of sober spirit, Peter said. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Hey, friends, that's the word of God right there. That's the word of God right there. You know what I love about the original language is sometimes the, the, the way you read the, uh, the original language, which was the Greek, uh, Koine Greek, the, the way you read it, often it's very bad grammar in English. In other words, it doesn't roll off the tongue, right? But when you read it, sometimes it's just interesting how those words fall. And how those words fall in the original language, it says the adversary of you. The adversary of you. Don't miss that. You have an enemy. And Jesus said in John 10, 10, he says, the thief comes. Guess what? He comes whether you want him to or not. The thief comes only. That's a word that I missed for years. Only. He's got one agenda every day. He is fully committed. You ever met anybody fully committed? You ever met anybody that is fully committed to something? I'm talking about resolve, buddy. I mean, they get up every day and they have this calling. And I mean, they're coming and they're coming and they're coming. It says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that they would have life. Life. You, you have an enemy and he's the adversary of you. I, I'll, I'll never forget. I want, I want to show you a picture of a buddy of mine. Uh, this is Brad Borders, Captain Brad Borders. He's, he was a, he's a retired from the U.S. Army. And uh, Brad was a, a chaplain in the Special Forces. And, man, he's just a, a man's man. And I, I love Brad. And we've had many great conversations over the years. And, and I'll never forget, Brad, one time we were talking. Uh, I was dealing with a person that was quite suicidal many years ago. And I knew that Brad had, had walked with many soldiers through PTSD. And, and he had... He had 
he had worked many suicides, and I've, I've worked several of them over the years, but Brad way more so than me. And uh, I, I called him up specifically one day, and I said, hey, man, I, I, need, I need some you know, your insights on this. And, and Brad, Brad we, 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 get, we got into all kinds of conversations about biblical manhood, and, and man, Brad is just an, an amazing guy. I, I could tell you so many good things about him. But, but Brad, he told me, uh, and I, I want to show you a picture uh, that, that's a forward operating base, and so that's exactly what you kind of see over in the Middle East right now. And, and so what you'll have is you'll have, you know, our troops will go into a territory. Notice that big wall around the compound, right? And, and Brad told me something one time. He said, Jason, it's interesting to watch the demeanor of soldiers on the day they have to go out. He said, he said I've, I've noticed something spiritually about them. And so Brad, here's one thing that was cool about Brad. Brad, Brad uh, as a chaplain, you, you didn't, it, it could have changed, but at least at that time, he told me, as a chaplain, you did not have to go outside the wire. So at, in every one of those compounds, there is a gate, all right? And, and, and they call it, they have a wire around that perimeter, and then they have a gate and he said, so when you go outside the wire, you are going on a hop. You're going into enemy-occupied territory, and you know it. He said, Jason, he said, you know, you don't have to go every day. So it's funny. He said, if guys aren't going outside the wire, they called it at that particular, at that particular post. He said, if, if they weren't going outside the wire, they were joking around, playing ping pong, shooting basketball. He said, you know, they were lifting weights. They were having a good time trying to decompress. He said, but I could always tell by the countenance of individual soldiers who was going outside the wire that day. He said it was a dead giveaway. Their demeanor changed. They weren't laughing. They weren't talking. Their countenance changed. They were stone-faced. And it was all business. And he said the reason was because they knew that that was the day they could die. And they were going into enemy-occupied territory. And he said, so here's what Brad did. That's why I love Brad Borders. Brad wasn't commanded to go outside the wire, but guess what Brad did? He went right with his men all the time. He said, man, if you want to minister to those guys, you can't minister to them. A guy sitting back in HVAC, in air conditioning, if you want them to respect you, you better go into battle with them. And he did. And so Brad said, but here's what was interesting. Every time that gate would lift, as soon as we would cross that threshold, we had radios and we had command centers and you would hear the chatter go up. He said, all the enemy chatter. And we had translators and, and you would hear them say that we've got spotters. They're watching us from the moment that gate lifts, they're watching us when you go outside the wire. I want to tell you what, friends, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5 that you just read, we live outside the wire. Every day, you live outside the wire. You don't even get a choice to come in out of the rain. You live outside the wire. The enemy's in your homes. He, he's in, he, the enemy's in all, he's in media. He's in, not just in, trying to get into your mind. He's everywhere. We live outside the wire. And one of the, one of the most heartbreaking things is to see Christians who are casually concerned. Let me ask you something. If you were walking through a minefield, an actual IED field, if you, were, if you knew that this whole gym was full of IEDs that could blow you up or blow off your leg or kill you, would you just walk around with a cup of coffee and a lollipop saying, how is everybody doing? 
We got words for people like you. I won't use them. That's insanity, right? We live outside the wire. And for us, Paul, Paul says in verse 3, we may live in the body, but we wage war. We are in a battle. And some of you are just far too comfortable with it. And you've been conditioned over time. i never forget a story I heard probably, oh man, it's been, I don't even know. It, I, I had to be in my 20s, but I never forgot it. It was a story about a castle. And, and there was a, a king that was interviewing for, he had a job opening. And, and the story goes that the, the king had a, he needed a driver to drive his carriage down the mountain to and from the castle to get to the town. The problem was his castle was on a high mountain hill. And the road was very treacherous, had lots of bends and lots of turns. And the horses, the horses had to navigate it carefully. But, he, but the problem the king had, the king of the castle had a, had a big problem. There were many bandits on the road. And they would often stop the carriage and rob them or do harm to his people. And sometimes his family had to go with him to and from the town. And so what they discovered was if they would go fast enough and ride fast in the carriage, the bandits didn't have time to stop them and they couldn't do harm. But the issue was there was no guardrail. So they could go right off the mountain and they had massive danger. So the king put out a decree and he said, I've got a job opening and I will pay major dollars for the best driver because my family is often riding with me going down the road in the carriage. And so the first interviewer comes in and the king asked him a question. He said, hey, let me ask you, my family's in that carriage. Sometimes I have lots of gold in that carriage. Whatever's in that carriage means a lot to me, but nothing means more to me than my family, but I have a lot of prized possessions. We have to do commerce. And so he asked the first interviewer, he said, hey, how fast would you be willing to go, and how close to the edge would you go? And the first guy said, well, King, I'm a pretty good driver. I've been doing this for a long time. I'd be willing to go within 10 feet of the edge of that road. Thank you. He finished the interview. Next guy comes in, and he interviews me. He says, hey, King, he says, well, I'll tell you what I would do, King. I, 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 I would be willing to go within three to five feet of the edge at a high rate of speed. Finishes the interview. Third person comes in and he listens to the king and the king says, how fast would you be willing to go and how close to the edge are you willing to travel? And the guy says back to him, he says, king, let me ask you a question. Didn't you tell me that your family was often with you in that carriage? He said, that's right. He said, didn't you tell me that your family means the most to you, king? He said, that's right. Well, then, King, if I'm your driver, I'm going to stay as far away from that edge as possible. And he got the job. You see, friends, many of you as Christians, you're very comfortable running on the edge. And all it takes is a little bit of a miscalculation 
to send you off the cliff. Some of you have grown too comfortable with sin. Some of you have grown too comfortable with pride. Some of you just say, yeah, I, I get angry a lot. Listen, is that the voice of the Father? No, that's the voice of the enemy. Some of you say, well, I just don't trust people. I've been burned. God didn't call you to be jaded. Some of you have a really tough time with how you look at yourself. But you've grown comfortable living on the edge. Listen, I want to say something to you. Now, we're not called, hear me very clearly, we're not called to be demon-centered. I've met many Christians over my life that are literally, they're, they're all the time talking about the devil. I'm like, hey, get your mind off the enemy. Put your mind on who God is. So I'm going to respect that I'm in war. I'm going to respect that, but I'm going to seek to please. I want my thoughts to please the king while I'm also being aware of the fact that I live outside the wire. I live outside the wire. The Bible calls the, the, the enemy Satan. He calls him an accuser. It's part of the, the language of, of the devil in the scriptures. He's an accuser. Now, you've got to understand the context of, of 2 Corinthians. I want you to understand that 2 Corinthians 10 has a context to it. The apostle Paul was under fire, and I don't want you to miss this. This is very important. Many, many people had, had crept into the Corinthian church, and some of them didn't like Paul. And let me tell you what they were saying about Paul. If you go back and read First and Second Corinthians, but especially Second Corinthians 10, Paul's under attack. And let me tell you what they were saying about the Apostle Paul, who, by the way, wrote half of the New Testament, roughly. They said about Paul, and I'm going to put this in modern-day terms, but this is exactly what they were saying about him. He's not flashy enough. In other words, he doesn't look the part. He's not executive enough. His appearance is not hip enough. They even said they didn't like the way he talked, his speech. They literally were picking on him about, I don't know if it was his accent or the choice of words. They didn't like, some of them in that church didn't like the way he spoke. They were coming after Paul as an accuser. And Paul said, I'm not, I'm not comparing myself with any of you. I have a calling and I'm going to live it out. You see, Paul understood there was a very real issue going on here. And he was under fire too. He had to have a biblical mindset. He had to know where that was coming from. That is not the voice of the Father. That is not the voice of the Father. When you, when you hear the accusations, are you listening to me this morning? Are you hearing me? When you hear accusations coming at you, that is not the voice of the Father. The Bible talks about guilt that leads to repentance. That's a good thing. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is such a thing as holy guilt. Guilt that pulls you home. Guilt that brings you home. That's holy guilt. But guilt from the Lord to pressure you, the Holy Spirit convicting you, is far different than shame. It is far different than shame. Shame is of the devil. That's the accusing voice. That's the accusing voice. And you've got to learn to spot it. So the mindset that honors God is the, the mindset that respects that we are in enemy-occupied territory. It respects warfare. But also I would say to you, the mindset that honors God exercises what I would call biblical authority. And that's what Paul talks about here. Biblical authority, and he says it in verse 5. Look at what he says. He says, we are destroying speculations, that is philosophies. We're destroying philosophies and every lofty thing raised up against what? The knowledge of God. 
And so what does he do? He says, we take every thought captive, where? To the obedience of Christ. Many of you sometimes forget the last part of that verse. He didn't just tell us to take our thoughts captive. He told us to take our thoughts captive and run them underneath the umbrella of who the Lord Jesus is. Run them into that filter. Don't just grab, that's why I said it's not about positive thinking. Positive thinking just tries to take negative thoughts and turn them into positive thoughts. You're going to lose that battle, friend. You're going to lose that battle. You're going to lose that. You've got to take those thoughts and you've got to turn them to the, and put them over into the Lord Jesus. We have, to exercise, we have to exercise biblical authority and we have biblical authority. Let me tell you what I think a lot of Christians do. I've done this, man. I've done it. I really have. I think we, we, we often think we're in this tug of war. Like God is on this side and the devil's on this side and we're pulled sometimes and we're pushed and we're pulled and we're pushed. That is is not, we, we look at the Christian life that way, and I really hope you're paying attention, all right? I really hope you're paying attention. We, we think we're in this constant tug of war spiritually, and that's not what Paul's getting at right here. He's talking about a chain of command, a chain of command. Watch this. So the Bible says that Christ has dominion over everything. If you notice when Jesus would often confront demons, they, he would say, what's your name? And many of them would say, we know who you are. Many, many, many times the demons, they, 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 they knew exactly what they were up against and Jesus would say, shut up, stop talking. He had command over the enemy, and they had to bow down. But guess what, what you got now? You don't have a tug of war. If you are in Christ, the Bible says you have the mind of Christ. And if you are in Christ, what did Paul say in Colossians? That Christ where? Christ in me is the hope of glory. You hear that? Christ in me. This is not a tug of war. It's a chain of command. Christ is in me. And because Christ is in me, Luke 10, 19 says, I have given you authority to step on the scorpions and the serpents. Those, weren't, those were metaphors. I have, given you, I have given you authority over the power of the enemy. Go read it. Luke 10, 19. Go read it. I have given you power over the enemy. You see, let me tell you something, friends. You are never, ever, ever wrong to exercise your biblically given authority. Did you hear me? You're never wrong to exercise that. If you want to win, if you want to win in the physical, then you better learn to fight in the spiritual. If you want to win in the physical, you better learn to fight in the spiritual. And that's what Paul is doing. It is not arrogant for you. Listen to me, Christian. It is not arrogant for you to exercise biblical authority. You've been given that. Now, it doesn't mean that we walk around, you know, with our chest like this. You know, you've seen Christians like that. You know, they just kind of strut when they walk. You know, that's arrogance. You've seen Christians that are too good for everybody, too cool for school. Their biblical authority is just cast out for everybody to hear. That's not, listen, that is pride, and pride comes before the fall, not after. All right? No. But you're not being arrogant to claim who God made you to be. 
You're not being arrogant to do that. In fact, I would say the reason that many of you can't look yourself in the mirror and call yourself a saint, which the Bible calls you. I was tempted today to list out, but it would have taken me 20 minutes to list out all the different ways the Bible tells you who you are. Sons and daughters of God. I mean, it's just on and on and on. More than conquerors. On and on and on. There are so many adjectives in Scripture of who Jesus has made you to be. You could never do it on your own. We know that. But you have been given Christ. And because you've been given Christ, you can have a mindset that honors God. You can have a mindset that honors God. You don't have to live in defeat. Did you hear me? You may get defeated sometimes. But you don't have to live in defeat. You don't. You don't. And if you're living in defeat, friends, I want you to listen to me very close. I'm not trying to shame you. I'm not trying to put you down. But I'm telling you, if you're living in defeat, it's because you're choosing to. You're choosing to. You may have been defeated back there, but you're choosing to stay there now. You're choosing to stay there. So Paul talks about captive thoughts. We are taking every thought captive where? To the obedience of Christ. Now, why does this matter so much? Why? Because the, 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 the devil's an accuser, right? Why does this matter so much? I want to I tell you this, and I want you, I, if you're taking notes, I want you to write that. If you're at home and you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Why is it so important? Man, I hope you're listening. Why is it so important? For you to learn to grab your thoughts and walk them under the authority of Christ. I'll tell you why. Because the devil never creates a lie without a purpose. The devil never creates a lie without a purpose. Every time the enemy lies to you, he is custom designed a lie for you. Have you ever noticed? Let's just think about your friends. Think about all your friends. In your, do, you, do you notice that you don't struggle with everything your friends struggle with? Some of you struggle with worry. Some people don't struggle with worry at all. Some of you never struggle with lust. Some of you struggle with lust a lot. Some of you aren't that materialistic. Some of you spend everything you've got trying to impress people that you really don't even like that much. Some of you are, are incredibly confident, and sometimes that bleeds over into pride. Some people don't struggle with pride at all. We all have different battles. And every time the enemy lies to you, he's not just lying to lie. You know what the enemy's doing? Oh, man, this is, this is way better than you're letting on. Let me, let me tell you what the enemy's doing to you. He is constantly separating you. He's constantly trying to isolate you. He's constantly trying to push you further from the Father, further from the Father, further from the Father. And, 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 and that may take years to do. It may take years to get you there. I have learned something about the devil in my lifetime. He is incredibly patient. He is incredibly patient. And he'll speak a little bit of a lie to you. He'll tell you that your friends don't like you. He'll tell you that if you only had this, it'll be better. If you could just do that, it'll be better. He'll tell you all kinds of things custom designed just for you. The enemy 
never creates a lie absent from a a purpose. He has an intent for that lie. But that lie always has an intention of separating you from the God that made you. Because if he can do that, then he can speak into you. And that's why, friends, you have to bring it into the light. You have to walk. What does the scripture say? Walk in the light. Walk in the light. So many times when you're struggling with self-doubt, what do you want to do? Because you, well, because you live in Williamson County and God forbid that anybody think you don't have it all together here. Right? So what do we do? We take whatever we're struggling with and we stick it right down in there. And we go, Phew. you know what? Pay a lot of money for this suit. Tell you what, it's got good material and buddy, they cannot see. Right? They don't know. Some of you struggle with things and thoughts like, if they only knew, what would they think? I've got a job because all of you think that way. So it's an occupational hazard for me to how to get you some deliverance. But the reality is, If you saw it from my side of the fence, you would see that I'm not that shocked by human behavior. I'm not that shocked by human behavior because we're not home yet. We're just not home yet. And when the enemy lies, he's just doing damage. I had a friend of mine that got into psychology, and she's a phenomenal psychologist. You know, we were talking about callings one day. You know what she told me? I've never thought about this. She said, why do you think I got into biblical psychology, Jason? I said, well, I think you're called to it, and you're really good at it. She said, I am called to it, and I hope I'm good at it. I should be. I work at it really hard. She said, that's not why I got into it. I got into it because God called me, yes. But this is what she said. I got my master's degree in counseling, and I became a therapist because I hate the devil. And I hate watching God's people buy into lies in all shapes and forms. I hate the devil. And I hate what he does to the body of Christ. So you have the mind of Christ, but it's not positive thinking. And you're never going to see that behavior. Some of you just try to do better. You ever ever notice that? You just, I'm just going to do better. That didn't work, did it? It's okay to say, yeah, yeah, didn't work. I'll, I'll I'll just close my eyes and feel like the whole room raised their hand because we've all tried to do better I've all tried it we've all I've tried I have tried I'm gonna be the first one on record. I have tried to do better and it didn't work I'm, I'm not kidding I could name it but you did then it make you mad and you may not even want me to be your pastor anymore I, I I can tell you that I've tried it many times to do better and it doesn't work you know why because I was often doing it in my own strength trying to do better But when I take up his strength and take my thoughts and make them captive to the obedience of Christ, that's where the victory comes. And I want to leave you with this, friends. I wrote it down, and I'm going to say it this way. Changing behavior, changing behavior without changing your mindset will eventually lead to torment. Changing your behavior without changing your mindset is eventually going to take you to torment. You know why? You were never Meant God did not make you to fix yourself. God didn't make you that to make you have the power to fix you. He did that. 
And so now that you have Christ in you, which is the hope of glory, and now that you have the mind of Christ in you, if you constantly try to change behavior without changing your mindset, well, then that's eventually going to torment you, and you're going to live that way, getting beat up most of your life. The next time you encounter thoughts that you know aren't from the Father, Don't turn the negative thoughts into positive thoughts. Do not try to turn the negative thoughts into positive thoughts. You grab those thoughts and you walk them over to the Word of God and the person of God and the Holy Spirit of God, which speaks to the child of God, which is you, and you let the Lord change it. And you'll experience victory. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter, but sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world to sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.